1380 AM, 100.9 FM, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Fan. Live, local, and talking about the teams that matter to you. This is Talkin' Sports with Jim Shovelin on Fort Wayne Sports Station. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Brought to you by Automotive Color and Supply. Good morning, everybody. On a rainy, stormy Saturday morning here. Welcome into Talking Sports. I'm Justin Kenny. Riding solo today with Jim Shovlin still on the injured list, recovering from surgery and getting a brand new hip. And I uh, reached out to him yesterday, saw if he was he was out running yet, not quite yet, but. Uh, well on his way to becoming a uh, a distance runner here uh, in his 60s. But um, if you know Jim, if you have his contact info, reach out to him, see how he's doing, give him a good luck on his recovery, which all indications are going pretty well after getting surgery on Monday for a brand new hip. So I'm rolling solo here on this morning and and wow it's it's really coming down out here near the airport here in south part of allen county and we were told it was going to be a, a storm this morning didn't realize it was going to be this kind of deluge so if you have any plans today maybe wait until the afternoon as this rain is supposed to stick around for the better part of the morning before hopefully clearing out so it'll come out i need to mow at some point it's looking rather rough and i was hoping to do that on the way uh on today when i get home May have to wait on that, but plenty to get to here this morning on Talking Sports, and we'll be joined around 9.20 or so with our friend Dan Vance, who's uh, wrapping up the uh, AAU season with his, uh, his AAU team. We'll talk to him about that and maybe some standout players that he has noticed in the high school area scene that maybe we'll, uh, guys that we'll need to keep an eye on coming up in the winter, but we'll also talk some Mad Ants, of course, Dan Vance, the Director of Public Relations and Social Media for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to our friend Mike Nutter, President of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Tin Caps out of town for a couple weeks, but Nitro Circus was in town last night at Parkview Field. We'll talk to Mike Nutter about that and the execution of that, what they need to do. Uh, to set that up and get it going. And Nitro Circus, well-known around the country for BMX and kind of, um, you know, BMX and entertainment and all that, doing tricks of ramps and, and half pipes and all that stuff. So we'll talk to Mike Nutter about that. And also when the Tin Caps return, of course, the majority of kids will be back in school. So how does that that marketing strategy change from the dog days of summer where – Parents are desperate to find anything to keep their kids entertained. That definitely helps coming out to a, a tin caps game Two, what the schedule looks like for families now with kids going back to school and what the priorities are and how the tin caps kind of adjust their strategy accordingly. Tin caps uh, got back in action last night in Dayton and tied the game in with three runs in the seventh inning to tie the game at three. It was Jared Dale reaching on a, uh, a fielding error that scored two. Augustin Ruiz then with a single to right, scored the tying run to make it 3-3, but Matthew Nelson of the Dragons hits a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth. 
Those proved to be the winning runs in a 5-3 Dayton Dragons victory over the Tin Caps. We're back in action today, 7.05 at Dayton tonight, 105 tomorrow in a short three-game series coming out of the All-Star break. Of course, the uh, Tin Caps will have Monday off as they do each and every week, and then it'll be a six-game series starting at Peoria on Tuesday. So it'll be a minute until the Fort Wayne Tin Caps return to the friendly confines of Parkview Field. If you were on following baseball last night, or at least on social media, the the hottest topic of the evening was the Toronto Blue Jays dropping a 28 spot on the Boston Red Sox in a 28 to 5 victory. Both clubs established franchise franchise records for runs scored and allowed. The Blue Jays also tied for the fifth most runs plated in a Major League Baseball regular season contest since 1901, according to Baseball Reference. The record is the Texas Rangers on August 22nd again in 2007 against the Baltimore Orioles dropped a 30 spot. Braves in 2020, White Sox in 1955 with 29 runs, as well as the Red Sox in 1950. The Cardinals scored... 28 against the Phillies in 1929, but the modern record again still belongs to the 2007 Texas Rangers, the 30 to three win over the Baltimore Orioles. And if you saw any part of that game, it was like 25 to three in the fifth inning. It was just insanity. And they were on pace to score over 40 runs. Luckily for the Red Sox, that didn't happen. But the, the inside the park grand slam, that was part of those 25 runs. If you haven't seen that highlight, look it up. The center fielder for the Boston Red Sox, you know, loses the ball in the lights, which is one thing. It happens. And then really doesn't react after the fact. Kind of stands there. I don't know if he was just giving up on the play or what, but the left and right fielder come out of nowhere to play the ball. While the center fielder, I don't know if he's pouting or, or what. It was kind of a bizarre and ended up being an inside-the-park home run for Toronto. And, and that was kind of the... The, the highlight of the night of that 28-run explosion for the Blue Jays last night. It was um, elsewhere. Cubs get a big win, 15-2 on the road against the Phillies. The Reds knock off the uh, St. Louis Cardinals 9-5. So the battle for last in the NL Central is on, and the Cubs and Reds both in the thick of it, along with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Cleveland knocks off the White Sox 8-2 last night at Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Also yesterday it was the unofficial kickoff of the high school football season with the annual high school football media day out at OPS DuPont and a great environment out there over 35 teams and coaches and players out there eating eating a meal and going through the uh, what ESPN calls the car wash with the multitude of media outlets out there. 1380 was out there, myself and Caleb Hatch doing interviews. If you missed any of those interviews as part of yesterday's Sports Rush, you can download the podcast at 1380thefan.com and talk to a multitude of SAC coaches. Uh, Shannon Griffith, uh, our partner on Friday nights uh, with Brett Rump doing the Friday night football games, he has stepped up and did some of the uh, NE8 and ACAC coaches, and you'll hear those interviews uh, sprinkled in through the Sports Rush over the next couple weeks as we head into the high school football season now just four weeks away four weeks from last night so four weeks from right now we'll be recapping scores and highlights from week one of the high school football season 
Reach out to us this morning, 46862-46862 on the Automotive Color and Supply text line. Put TS in front of your message. Hit me up with anything, any questions about high school football, any questions about uh, the Mad Ants or the Tin Caps, as we'll talk to Dan Vance of the Mad Ants and Mike Nutter of the Tin Caps coming up later on in the show. Still raining pretty heavily here out here, and it, gosh, it looks like uh, midnight, not uh, 9, 10 in the morning here on the south side of town. So if you're out and about, be careful. Any standing water or vision issues, be careful on the road this morning. And, you know, some of the things that we learned yesterday in talking to some coaches at the uh, high school media day up at uh, OPS North is really – and I ask a lot of coaches about this because it is the final season of the traditional customary nine conference games in nine weeks in the Summit Athletic Conference. Starting next year, each team will have two non-conference games. There will be a split of the teams into two divisions. Technically, you could have a tie for the SAC championship. I know that kind of bothers a couple people and or more than a couple. And that, that's kind of how it's going to be with this division format. You know, one coach in particular message or you know, talked about maybe at some point adding a championship game to week nine of the football high school football season to crown a champion in the SAC instead of potentially having a tie. But it was really interesting talking to each of these coaches and getting their philosophies on what their approach was to add games. You look at Carroll and talking to Coach Doug Dynan yesterday, and he says, you know, we wanted to go out and add the most powerful, tradition-rich 6A Indianapolis schools we possibly could. Carroll and 6A, we know the history that is – area of football in 6A since the inception of that class over a decade ago, nobody has won a regional. No area team has gotten past the regional round in class 6A. How do you combat that? Maybe one way is to play Hamilton Southeastern and play Warren Central and play Center Grove. And that's exactly what Carroll's going to do starting in 2023. HSE and Warren Central next year. HSE and Center Grove going forward from there starting in 2024. Carroll is not shying away from playing the top programs in the entire state. And Coach Doug Dynan said, you know, we may go out there and, and get beat up and destroyed. And you know what? At, at least we're playing that. At least we're seeing that. At least we know the quality of team that we're going to have to compete with if we're going to make any kind of deep run in Class 6A. Homestead the same, looking at it. You know, they're going to play Carmel and Noblesville next year, week one and two. They're taking a same approach, 6A, trying to find that, that magic formula that's going to help them go deeper. And an added quirk this year, when you look at Carroll, is they're in a different sectional, sectional two. We're used to that 6A sectional three being all local teams, or at least three of the four. But Carroll will now go northwest, and they'll play a Warsaw, Penn, Elkhart in their sectional. Still difficult sectional. Penn is down a little bit traditionally from what they've been. They're still a, a very good program. 
Mark Curtis of Warsaw has has developed a tremendous team, and that's a Warsaw team that beat Carroll a couple of years ago in the playoffs. And Elkhart, after consolidation, becomes a 6A program and really looks like a team and a program on the rise in just two years of competition. So they're no slouch either. But the benefit of what Carroll gets is if they can win that sectional, they don't go south. They then go to the region. They go further northwest. They'll go, go into, you know, talking about a crown point and a Lafayette Jeff, which is potentially, you know, the, the, probably the best of sectional one most years. But is there opportunity there for Carroll to make a run in 6A, not having to see Indy area schools until the semi-state? I think there's opportunity there, but there's also a little bit of tap the brakes because I, I feel like there's programs in the region that have surpassed 6A programs in this area. So be careful what you wish for. And I think, but, you know, getting back to playing non-conference games, it's going to be perfect for Carroll and Homestead to challenge. You look at Snyder, and we talked to Coach Kurt Tippin yesterday at Media Day, and he said, you know, Warren Central, we used to play them week nine every season. He said, when I was a player with Coach Russ Isaacs, Snyder Warren Central was a thing in week nine, way back when. And then they played in the state championship game in the, uh, I think, 2012. And, or maybe even earlier than that. And then Snyder adds East Noble. And he said, you know, what we wanted to do is we want to challenge ourselves, but also add games that, in terms of the region, are going to excite fans and bring more fans out. You can definitely say two of the better fan bases in the area, Snyder and East Noble. Now they will play in week two of the high school football season next year and the year after. Uh, then Snyder in 2025 will add Warsaw in week one while keeping that series going with East Noble. So that's kind of the philosophy with Coach Kurt Tippmann. You then talk to Coach Kyle Lindsay with Bishop Bluers, and he's talking, you know, we wanted to kind of keep it local, but also play some teams that are going to challenge us and further prepares for the postseason. So he adds East Noble. He adds New Haven in the first two weeks of the season next year. And then conversely, you talk to, you know, coaches that like Concordia with Tim Manning go back in the seat. And he say, you know, we, we play so many upper class teams in the regular season in the SAC. And that's perfect for us to prepare for the postseason. But he wanted to add a couple 2A, 3As. He said, you know, the schedule's daunting enough for us. And... I, it was Tim Manigal yesterday that had, in my opinion, to me, the quote of the day, which was fascinating, and it, it's absolutely true, but you don't really think about it, and it's interesting for a coach to admit this, but he said, quote, every team on our schedule sees equal advantage against any team we play. Fascinating quote because it's exactly right, because everybody on the SAC schedule is going to circle Concordia that date, whether you're Carroll or Homestead or Wayne and Southside and say, that's a game we should win or can win, capable of winning if we execute. So whereas Snyder can come out against a team and really have the leg up from the opening kick because the other team, you know, mentally maybe even think they can't compete, Concordia is never going to be in that position in the regular season in the SAC. And now they add two teams in Cecina and Eastbrook that are going to look at those games as games they can win. So fascinating on how the different diversified opinions of the coaches in the SAC and how they're approaching 
the new setup beginning next year in the SAC. Two divisions, week one and week two are open for non-conference game. Majority of programs have already announced their opponents, at least for 2023. You can find the complete list at OutsideTheHuddle.net and then in the drop-down at pro, uh, Prep Football list of future SAC non-conference opponents. So plenty to read there. If you're interested in exactly who's playing who, non-conference beginning next year in the SAC. 46862. 46862 on the Automotive Color and Supply text line. Put TS in front of your message. Hit us up. Let us know what kind of questions, comments, suggestions you have this morning on a rainy, stormy Saturday morning here in Northeast Indiana. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Dan Vance of the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. We'll talk some area high school basketball. We'll talk some Mad Ants basketball, maybe some summer league and all that when we come back. Mike Nutter, a little later in the show. Talk the latest in the Fort Wayne Tin Caps and Parkview Field. All that and more when we come back. You're listening to Talking Sports on a Saturday morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Green flag goes in the air and we're racing. Heads to the tricky triangle. And we got one truck in the wall already. Johnny Sauter's another truck. He gets turned and gets into the outside fence. For one final race before the playoffs. Checkered flag is in the air and he has done it again for the fifth time this year. It's the CRC Brake Clean 150. On Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan at 100.9 FM. Masterpiece Quilts at the International Quilters Hall of Fame Celebration in Marion, Indiana, July 21st through 23rd. This amazing celebration features world-class exhibits, great workshops, and lectures, and the induction of the 2022 honoree. Get details at showmegrantcounty.com. Grant County, Indiana. Classic cool. Indiana Adventure is No voting machines connected to the Internet. Voter identification required. You hear a lot about voter security lately. The state of Indiana has more than 20 security procedures in place. These are just a few to ensure that all votes are secure and accurately counted. Okay, that's a lot. So you can rest assured that in Indiana, your vote is private, protected, and accurately recorded. You can count on it. Sponsored by the Indiana Secretary of State, this station and the Indiana Broadcasters Association. Why choose proven? quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. Don't miss our 4th of July special. The Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 smart bed is only $8.99. Plus, free home delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's
world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you. This wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Now back to Talking Sports with Jim Shovlin on Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan at 100.9 FM. Welcome back to Talking Sports. Burning down the house, bringing us back into the show on a rainy, stormy Saturday morning. Supposed to clear up later, though, if you have some things to do like me. who need, I need to mow at some point. It's going to be even longer after this uh, morning rain, but it's not as sinister looking outside now as I look out the windows here at the Federated Media World HQ off Maples Road, but uh, still pretty pretty rough looking out there if you're out and about. Hit us up on the Automotive Color and Supply text line 46862-46862. Jim Shovlin out recovering with his brand new Bionic hip, and he'll be doing the handsprings in no time. Uh, I'm sitting here. Filling in for Mr. Shovlin this morning and on the Talking Sports phone line, joining us right now, Mr. Dan Vance. Dan, how are you? Doing great, Justin. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing well, and I, I should mention that you, uh, your, your title, what is it, the Director of social me what is it you tell me <laughs> director of public relations and social media that's what it is it's a new it's a new title new, new snazzy title for dan you haven't learned it yet yeah that's but okay. you know you, in terms of public relations and social media there was some news out of the mad ants yesterday correct yeah yeah you know made uh, one of those those rare july trades and um, we'll, we'll see how it all shifts out, obviously, um, for the people who are uninitiated uh, in the G League. Uh, we don't actually have player contracts. The players are all signed to the league, and teams acquire their rights uh, should those players play in the league. Um, so you'll see a lot of teams that have rights and sometimes move rights of guys that may or may not be in the league. So uh, we made a trade yesterday to acquire the returning player rights of Derek Walton Jr. and Davis Servitus from Motor City Cruise, uh, along with the 2023 G League draft pick, um, in exchange for the player rights to Kiefer Sykes, uh, who played with both us and the Indiana Pacers last year. So uh, a move that's, uh, that's good for us. We'll see, you know, early to tell where rosters shake up um, and whether or not any of those three guys are back in the G League. But uh, a couple of nice pieces for us if they do return, and, you know, adding, adding draft picks uh, is never a bad thing to have those assets. Dan, how much autonomy do you, the Mad Ants have in you know, trades like this? Is this something that has to be signed off by the Pacers, or does it go through the Pacers? How does that work? You know, there's discussions with the Pacers, but ultimately at the end of the day, this is uh, Chris Taylor, our general manager, Tim Brown, our assistant general manager. They're the ones making these moves. Uh, obviously, um, in any team that is closely affiliated, especially owned by their parent club, uh, there's discussions involved as well, uh, especially when you're talking about players. Uh, when you're looking at all three of these guys with NBA experience, Kiefer played with the Pacers last year. Um, Servitus uh, has played with the Pistons the last two years, just spent the NBA Summer League with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, and Derek Walton, who has played for three different NBA teams, including the Pistons. So uh, this one probably more so conversation than others, just because they're guys that are not uh, just a standard G League player. They're guys that have shown NBA potential and have played on the NBA level. So, so definitely some conversation. But at the end of the day, Chris Taylor, uh, our GM, makes those moves. 
Dan Vance, Director of Public Relations and Social Media for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, joining us here this morning and had a text come in, Dan. And I know you guys have, have, have uh, announced some preferred dates for games, but this question for the text line, has any decision been made on the Mad Ants playing a portion of their games in Indy this season? Yeah, we don't know anything else about our schedule right now other than um, than what we know on those preferred dates, um, those key home games that we already announced. Hoping here sometime uh, in, in mid-August that we get our actual schedule for the rest of the season. Um, you know, really how the, the process works is the NBA goes through. Um, they handle NBA games and focus on NBA stuff first, and once they have the NBA schedule finalized, then they start working on the G League schedule and, and decisions uh, about any kind of stuff like that will will come along with our G League schedule sometime in August. I know there's been a lot of excitement around you know the Pacers in terms of the summer league and their rookies and showcasing their skills. And and when does the conversations maybe start with potentially seeing any of those guys down with the Mad Ants? I imagine it's way too early you know for that, but I imagine those conversations happen at some point. Uh, over the course of the late summer, early fall. Yeah, you know, there are conversations that have happened. Um, you know, I bring up Chris Taylor again. He is involved with scouting with the Pacers uh, in the Mad Ants offseason. And uh, Chris CT, as people around here should know him, um, was out in, in Vegas for summer league. He was out participating. Uh, and so those conversations have happened uh, on that level, on, you know, with a basketball offside when you're talking about, you know, Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard down in Indy, uh, along with CT. Uh, making those decisions so you know there's always possibility we again we don't know we kind of wait until the nba shapes up first obviously as a as a true uh you know minor league system for uh the nba that the geo has become they kind of wait until we see how that shakes down but you know we did see a lot of it last year a lot of those guys that played out in summer league uh that were given exhibit 10 or two-way contracts um guys that were with the pacers like terry taylor uh, Kiefer Sykes, Dwayne Washington, that were all with the Pacers in the summer league last year uh, that we ended up with. So, uh, you know, I think that there's it's safe to say that we're going to get some of those guys, uh, that if anybody paid attention to the summer league and the Pacers had a pretty good summer league uh, run, that we'll see some of those guys in Fort Wayne uniforms. But it just depends. We'll, we'll wait till that shakes out. The Pacers will have training camp. They'll make some training camp invites. Some of those guys will be among those invites. Uh, and then we'll see how it, it trickles down once they – uh, finalize their roster, which is it's pretty close to being finalized. They have 14 guys under contract, standard contract right now. Um, so they have a, one more standard spot with them and then a two two-way spots, which are the guys that float back and forth between uh, the Mad Ants and the Pacers uh, to fill as well. So once they fill up, then we'll get a better idea of what our roster will start to, to take shape with uh, in October. Dan Vance joining us here on Talking Sports this morning and Wanted to ask you a little bit about basketball because I know there's AAU as this weekend as is there is seemingly every weekend in the month of July. But in terms of the the remaining schedule, I guess for area AAU programs, is it this weekend and next weekend and then we're done? Yeah, you know. So for uh, the, the team I coach and the organization I'm with, Team Focus, we'll uh, go to. Uh, uh, national shootout in Chicago, Deerfield area in Illinois next weekend. But a lot of teams are done this weekend. This is kind of a, a swan song for the year for a lot of teams in the GRBA Nationals that are being played in Fort Wayne, a uh, huge tournament. So uh, this is kind of the wrap-up for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, there will be some, some teams and some programs. I know the Fort Wayne Mambas, another uh, smaller grassroots organization uh, that usually goes up to Chicago 
uh, for this last tournament, the National Summer Classic. But uh, this is this is it this weekend for a lot of teams today and tomorrow. We mentioned it a couple weeks ago when we talked to you about guys kind of showing out on the AAU circuit, how it translates into the winter. But um, any guys that you've seen since the last time we talked that maybe are guys that area fans of high school basketball should get to know? You know, the, the two that keep coming up and I keep seeing them performing very well, uh, which will be an interesting translation to the winner, uh, Cannon Hauser and Jackson Pardon from Carroll have both had tremendous summers. Uh, you know, young guys last year and thrust into the spotlight at Carroll. Uh, and Carroll didn't have the best year, but we know Carroll can win as a school, as a program. They have great feeder programs. Uh, you know, now that Ryan Abbott is getting into his second year there, I think that he'll have some legs under him. The two of them have been very impressive. They've shot the ball well. Uh, they've attacked the basket well. They've been great defensively. So I think right now, you know, other than who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, those two definitely stand out to me. And I think that helps make the SAC a little more interesting. Obviously, too early to, to call who even a prediction of who's going to be up top in the SAC uh, on the boys' side. But, you know, when, when you throw Carroll back into the mix with how well those two are playing, it, it's very interesting. And, and then on the girls' side, I think that, you have to look at Jordan Poole and how she's been playing. Everybody knows about her, but on the all-tournament team at Run for the Roses a couple weeks ago in Louisville, uh, and you know that's a tough, tough tournament, arguably one of the best tournaments in the country for girls' AAU basketball, and Poole's among the top five players at it. So I think that's, that's huge, uh, especially with the change in Snyder uh, getting a new coach this week. Uh, it makes the Panthers more interesting even. Yeah, Jordan Poole ranked in her class one of the, I think, top ten nationally uh, in her class and you mentioned that new hire at Snyder and uh, you know Akila Sims there just a few years but had an opportunity to go to go to college for an opportunity and a familiar face around here in uh, area high school football Reggie Tharp getting that job and you know he was on staff at Snyder we've seen him for a while at Concordia around the AAU circles as well just a, a great guy and uh, it looks like a great opportunity with him at Snyder. Yeah, a ton of opportunity there. Obviously, there's some familiarity for the returning players, which is great with Reggie. You always like it when you can bring in somebody internally, I think. Um, and then you look at the, the footprint that he has, and you look at the last 10 years and how girls basketball and girls AAU basketball has grown in Fort Wayne and northeast Indiana. And it's fair to say that Always 100 has, you know, a, a huge huge part of that and their focus on girls basketball and well bernard hollins is at the forefront of that reggie's been there uh right there with always 100 uh from the the onset basically and he's had such a huge part and has been uh you know so uh intertwined with the growth of girls basketball in the city and he's kind of the the uh, the guy the face that a lot of people see that the common fan may not know his name but if girls basketball growth, uh, you know, we were ranking, you know, Bernard's up there, but Reggie's right there is kind of 1B. He's been uh, a right-hand man and has been huge uh, for the growth of girls basketball in the area. So I think it's an excellent hire by Snyder. I don't know that you could have come up with someone better to take over that program. Dan, we had high school football media day yesterday at OPS North and over 35 schools out there. And, you know, the the eternal optimist in everyone. Everyone feels like the summer went great and, you know, chances are that they'll have a great season. But in terms of storylines, where we sit here now less than four weeks away from the start of the regular season, anything in particular we should keep an eye on? 
You know, I think there's a couple things. Obviously, the the openness of the SAC. I think we look at the top and we, we see these teams that we think are going to contend um, with the athletes they have, the bodies they have out there. Uh, but I think it's going to be a really interesting year in the SAC. I think it might be the closest we've seen in a while to um, anybody on any given night that's going to be able to go out there and get wins. Um, but for me, some of the intrigue more is to some of these teams that lost so much, but now we get a chance to really see what the, the deep-seated strengths of programs are. You look at the east side, who was so strong but lost so much, but they got guys like Dane Siebert uh, who can carry over that tradition. Adam Central lost a lot, but you look at a guy like Keegan Bloom, who's such a big part uh, of them and returns uh, and then Leo, I think, is a, a huge interesting storyline. I know they just scrimmaged Northside the other night, had a decent showing from what I understand out of that one. Obviously, they're going to have uh, not only lose a lot in terms of personnel, but a completely different style of play to change things up. So uh, the SAC is going to be intriguing, but it's interesting to watch these teams that have been powers over the last few years and see how they respond um, and, and how their program growth uh, is shown now when you're going to see a lot of new faces on the field for them. All right, Dan, before we let you go, last night the Toronto Blue Jays defeated the Boston Red Sox 28-5, to one of the most lopsided games in Major League Baseball history. My question <laughs> to you, what's the most lopsided game either you've been a part of, you've been, you've been a witness of, it, it can be regardless of sport, anything come to mind as the most lopsided game you've ever seen? Well, no, actually, uh, it first brings to mind I was coaching Little League Baseball at Georgetown Little League, I don't know, was five years ago, and we lost a game one night, 28-14. to 14. Um, Not as lopsided as that one, but we referred to it as the uh, the Bad News Bears game. It was, uh, <laughs> was kind of like if you watched the Blue Jays-Red Sox, there was the in-the-park grand slam right. last night. Yeah. And the ball goes over the Red Sox player's head. He had zero idea where the ball was. Um, and that game I coached at Georgetown Little League a few years ago was, Basically the same. There, nobody was catching pop flies. It wasn't <laughs> happening, and it ended up 28 to 14. And uh, as much as little league baseball can drag on, a 28 to 14 game uh, does it. So uh, you know, I feel I feel for the Red Sox after last night. I feel like I've I've been there on a, a much much smaller level. But yeah, never never fun. I, it, it, in my experience playing at Georgetown, I did a lot when I was a kid. And I don't know if it was a mental thing or what, but like the lights. I felt were the worst at Georgetown. Like it was the easiest place to lose a ball in lights. It, it's possible, but you would think it was Georgetown versus Georgetown, so you would really think that we were <laughs> used to the right? lights. It just did, <laughs> it, it did not it did not work out. We were on the losing end, so we were definitely worse than the other team. But when you give up 14 runs, it's not great either. That's you insane. Win the game. Yeah, your offense exploded for 14 runs and still got beat by it, 14. I don't, I don't know if explosion is the word I'd use, but <laughs> drop pop flies will take, you know, errors or errors, right? Runs or runs. <laughs> yeah, right, regardless of uh, of who, how you get them, you know. So, but, exactly. All right, buddy. Hey, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, good luck here as you wrap up AAU season this week and next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you down the line. I right, appreciate it, Justin. All right, buddy. That was Dan Vance joining us, the Director of Public Relations and Social Media for the Mad Ants, talking a little bit of G League, a trade with by the Mad Ants yesterday. Maybe some names to keep an eye on as the roster forms over the next couple months or so. And also, Dan, t- telling us, you know, stay tuned for that full Mad Ants schedule. And we'll see how many, if any, games are scheduled for Indianapolis. Of course, last year, you remember, 
the Mad Ants split, effectively split their games between Fort Wayne and Indianapolis last year. So we'll see if that's similar to this year, if that will be gone, if there'll be more down there. We'll really figure it out and see once that schedule is released. We're going to take a break. We'll talk to Mike Nutter, president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, when we return. All that and more when we come back. You're listening to Talking Sports, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Auto or homeowner's insurance rate lately? Think it's about time to get a competitive quote? Call the Wise Insurance Agency today at 260-747-5373. Located at 7410 Bluffton Road, Wise Insurance is a local company that's been in business for 25 years. Being an independent agent working with over 15 A-plus rated carriers allows Coach Ron Wise to assess your needs and determine the best option for you to give you maximum coverage with the most affordable premiums. The Wise Insurance Agency also offers motorcycle, RV, and watercraft insurance, as well as renter's insurance, flood, and umbrella policies. Multi-policy discounts are also available, and make sure to ask Ron about the good student discount up to 20%. Let Coach Wise show you the fundamentals of getting the right insurance. Don't put it off. Contact Coach Ron and the Wise Insurance Agency team today at 260-747-5373 or find them online at thewiseinsuranceagency.com. Each week on the Martha Stewart Podcast, the woman who's done it all from TV to magazines to radio and more engages in intimate, in-depth interviews with the world's most fascinating celebrities and public figures, including some of her closest friends. Every time I go anywhere, all they want to know is how Snoop. You don't think I get approached all the time by people that say, do you think you can get me a picture of Martha? You think you can get an autograph? Listen to the Martha Stewart Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to know ticks suck. But what you might not know is that they don't just suck blood way out in the woods. Those creepy little bugs can be anywhere all year long. And I do mean little. They can be smaller than the head of a pin. But big trouble comes in these small, gross packages. Even a tiny tick can make you super sick. So what's the most important tip to avoid getting bit? Well, duh, pay attention. Remember, ticks can be just about anywhere outdoors. Then, spray attention with an EPA-registered insect repellent. Wearing long socks and other protective clothing is a good idea, too. When you come back inside, shower. And always remember, check for ticks everywhere. And if you do get a tick bite, don't panic. Tell an adult. And visit ticksuck.org to learn how to remove it properly. Ticks suck, but being outdoors shouldn't. Go to ticksuck.org for more information. Ticksuck.org. The Tin Caps will be back at Parkview Field on Tuesday, August 2nd to open up a homestand against their Hoosier rival, the South Bend Cubs. Lock in your seats now at TinCapsTickets.com. But in the meantime, the Caps are on the road for nine straight, starting with three games in Dayton. Our coverage tonight versus the Dragons begins at 645 with first pitch set for 705. It's all right here on your flagship home for Tin Caps baseball all season long. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now back. To Talking Sports with Jim Shovlin on Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to Talking Sports Saturday morning. I'm Justin Kenny and for Jim Shovlin, who's on the mend after getting a brand new spiffy, shiny hip on Monday. And all indications, Jim's doing great. So if you uh, 
have contact info for Mr. Shovlin, reach out to him, hit him up on Facebook, text, whatever, let him know you're thinking about him as he uh, returns to 100% here, hopefully relatively soon as he enjoys a short stint on the disabled list. And coming up, Next, well, it's a couple weeks until the Tin Caps are back at home, but plenty going on at Parkview Field to talk all about it is our next guest, Mike Nutter, president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Mr. Nutter, good morning. His laugh when the team leaves town. People say, well, enjoy your break, and we'll see you back <laughs> in a couple of weeks. And uh, they're right that the ballpark, you know, the main uh, driver of attendance and, and uh, you know, entertainment and stuff is certainly the Tin Caps, but... The last few days have been no different. You know, Thursday, all of minor league baseball was off for a few days for the major league all-star break, which is a cool thing. Thursday night, we had an annual yoga event that Holly Rainey does out there that is just unbelievable. If I understand it correctly, a few years ago, some ladies got together and wanted to honor a friend of theirs that they had lost through yoga. And so we do it on the field. I was out there Thursday night. There were hundreds and hundreds of folks doing yoga on the field. They had vendors and shopping set up all around the concourse. Like, it has turned into a major, major thing. The minute they ended, around 8.15 p.m., the team came out to do a practice. It was a beautiful night. Guys got on the main team mound and kind of got the cobwebs off from their longest break of the year. And then... I mean, yesterday morning, uh, the crews arrived at, the first people arrived at 5.30 a.m. to start moving in Nitro Circus. We had one of the biggest crowds that they've had in the entire country on their baseball tour, just under 5,000. They moved out last night between 2 and 3 a.m., and here we are this morning. (laughs) When you look at Nitro Circus, how much preparations do you guys have to do in order to protect the field, if any? Yeah, a great question. So we had been asked about this event a couple times over the years, and we we passed. You know, we kind of dismissed it. Truthfully, probably not the best thing to say for a business person <laughs> without doing much research on it because we just thought, like, there's no way, right? Like, to people that see the Tin Caps Twitter yesterday or some of my personal stuff, like, visually it was awesome. But it was like, how in the world can we do that with this award-winning field and, like, how do you, like, reconcile that or make it all work? Well, they told us a couple of years ago, right coming out of COVID, where they said, listen, just talk to other teams that have had it. The years, 20 years ago, of bringing in dirt for guys to land on, that's gone. They were doing 30, 40, 50-foot jumps easily in height and landing on inflatables. <laughs> and so it was like, uh, wait a minute. Okay, so... We talked to a bunch of teams. I bet if we talked to 15 teams, 10 said no issues, no damage. A week later, you couldn't tell they had it there. I bet the other five said a little bit of wear and tear, as one would expect. Within a week or two, you really couldn't tell much at all. Totally worth it. Great people to work with. So that was our experience. Again, I need to see the field today and tomorrow. But they were great to work with. They were respectful of the field. You know, it was really a blessing, I think, that we got it yesterday because if we would have had it tonight, you know, maybe the forecast looks fine tonight, but how do you get all that equipment on the field and do all that? But uh, we looked pretty good, and the fans loved it. I mean, like, 
people that had never been there for anything, that have certainly never been to a Tin Caps game, saying, and we didn't even know you had a baseball field. We didn't even know you had a, a team. And, like, that doesn't offend us. It's like, how do we get people there, whether it's support for fitness or the night of lights or yoga or this thing. Uh, it, it's been going because the boys are on a long break. They started a road trip yesterday in Dayton for three days. Unfortunately, we dropped the first one four to two. They're over there three days. We go straight on to Peoria. And then we're back for what is probably our biggest home stand of the year against the South Bend Cubs. But again, that isn't even for like another 10 days. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, you know, events coming into Parkview Field and, and finding different ways to use the facility. And, you know, how has that progress gone? Because in, as you mentioned, some people don't know, know there's a field there and all that. And inside Fort Wayne, majority of people and organizations know, hey, this is an opportunity we can take with Parkview Field. But how do you market the facility to a Nitro Circus and all that? Are these, do you guys have to put out information or are some of these organizations coming to you and say, hey, we'd like you to consider this? Uh, a little bit of both. So if we hear um, maybe there's a country band, a, a rock band, something like that, that, hey, is starting to build a phone range to all of our friends that are promoters, the good news in the country because of doing, you know, uh, Bob Dylan, Cohen, and Zach Brown, yeah, for the Georgia. So people know that this market with the work at the end, or head, you know, great news around. You're with, with, sir, call. I'm just checking off my list. <laughs> right, but we sure <laughs> love to come to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we said, you know what? We've talked to enough friends and people in the industry. We realized that post COVID this year, we probably were not going to get any concerts. And we said, you know, let's let's take a run at it. It was like, are you kidding me? And so when we were doing the the post show, they call it a settlement last night of telling the people, you know, hey, how much money they've got coming. And, you know, the way those things work, maybe some people listening uh, would want to hear. So we rented the facility to them. We charged them a rental fee. We uh, captured all the food beverage revenues. And then the promoter kept all the ticket revenue. So we can't like it's our ticket system, but they get all of that money short of a little dollar ahead to the city and things like that. And so they loved it. You know, the guy gave me a big handshake and said, I don't know if you want us back again next year. And I said, <laughs> give us a couple of weeks to see what that field looks like. But everybody had a blast. And I would say last night's event was probably in the top five of events that we had where you could tell, and I don't mean this in any negative, stereotypical way at all, but they weren't the typical baseball fan. And so a yeah. lot of people were saying stuff like, wow, this place is so beautiful and the food is so good and it was easy to park and, like, you know, lines that you'd love to hear from people. They just hadn't been there before, a lot of people. And so uh, the other one that comes to mind years ago was the Bob Dylan show that we did, like, six or 8,000 fans. and I'm not sure any of them had ever been to the ballpark, and I'm not sure very many of them knew even that they were at a ballpark that night. <laughs> <laughs> so we try and do that stuff. Holly Rainey on our staff does a great job, and you're you're just always looking for what's the next thing and what can we do. And so it's Rotary that meets down there for lunches 50 times a year and 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 wedding receptions and class reunions and all that kind of stuff. And 
it's neat to kind of have a national or a global tour like that. The company's out of Australia. And as of last night, I think they said on the 30 uh, ballpark tour that they were doing all across the U.S. this year, I think our attendance was second best. So people like that. And then word will travel in the industry, right? Somebody else will want to come out because of how well it did. So it's a testament to the fans for sure. Mike Nutter, president of the Fort Wayne Tidcaps, joining us here this morning on Talking Sports. And, Mike, you mentioned last night the Tin Caps on the road. And while they did drop a game uh, to the Dayton Dragons at Day Park Air, Day Air Ballpark, there was a familiar face back with the Caps, Robert Hassel III. So, who knows? Maybe he'll just uh, stay here for the duration. Man, I kept texting people asking, have they booked him a return flight? <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't know. And when he came walking out, uh, Thursday for the workout, I got a big smile on my face, and I saw, well, he's here. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, to cover that briefly, I got a text from somebody this week saying, can you talk to Justin about Tatis and also the hassle stuff? So, and, 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 and we brought up hassle jokingly the last couple of weeks. Well, not so jokingly. I mean, he's outplayed this league. He's the highest-rated prospect in this league. We love that he's still with us. We know at some point likely that call is going to come. All you have to do, the other day I went on Twitter maybe two days ago, and he was one of the things trending nationally. Wow. Castle. And I would click on it, and I'm like, it's got to be our guy. And sure <laughs> enough, there were 75 different trade scenarios that had him going to Washington <laughs> to Juan Soto. And I, I stay clear out of all that stuff, especially when it involves current players and friends. He's a great kid. His family is awesome. This kid signed more autographs than any number one pick that's ever played. He's just a great one. And so he is back with us now. Somebody said, we had mentioned to Justin or Jim the trade deadline. The trade deadline, I think this year is August 2nd. So they're about 10 days out. I have no idea if any of our current players are going to get traded. The Padres are in the playoff mix. It sounds like they're looking for more offense to acquire the top players. you got to give up some great assets. So we're blessed and happy that he's back with us, and I hope he's with us for, you know, weeks beyond the trade deadline because he's such a great young kid. And then the other one that the guy texted about was, are you guys going to get tattoos? And I said, well, I appreciate your, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word, optimism, maybe. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I would call it doubtful because the geographic proximity. Obviously, we had Blake Snell earlier this year, the Cy Young Award winner. Um, you know, Fernando loved his time in Fort Wayne. He's still in contact with Sam Lewis, our clubhouse attendant. We got along great. He loved it here. It's really going to come down to when does he need to do a rehab? What minor league stadium do they send him out to? Where's the big league team playing at that time? Like right now he's in New York with the big league team working his way back. Then the major league team goes to somewhere else in the Midwest. But we're currently gone. You know, they clear, and he's not out there ready to play yet, but in a hypothetical, they're not going to send him to Fort Wayne and then he plays on the road. Like, you wouldn't be able to do that with security and those kinds of things. Sure. And so, you know, I just wanted to bring it up. I would call it doubtful, but obviously we'd love to see good old number 23 back in Clarkview uh, <laughs> Field uh, again, who's left us and become one of the faces and superstars of baseball. 
Mike, you brought up, you know, you know, trade rumors and trade discussion. And, you know, uh, over the years, I'm sure there's been a fair amount of guys with the tin caps and formerly the Wizards that, you know, moved on midseason. And, you know, I, I'm sure there's positive impacts of players, negative impacts of players, how they handle it, uh, how they handle the rumors even. So by and large, how uh, what kind of experiences have you had in affecting the clubhouse before and after when, when these guys – you know, seemingly overnight are on the move to a different franchise. Yeah, I cannot imagine what Robert or Bobby, you know, is thinking right now. Uh, I, I don't ask them that stuff. You know, you try and give them their space. Uh, with this day and age of social media, I mean, everybody's on the stuff, so I'm sure he's hearing stuff or even friends from high school, which in his case is only a couple years ago, <laughs> saying, you know, are you getting traded for Soto and that kind of thing? I remember one year my family and I went up to – uh, somewhere in Michigan, went up to the lake. We did some fishing, did some beach stuff, and then we went to a, 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 a an amusement park somewhere up in Michigan. I want to say it was like near Muskegon or you know somewhere way up there. It was a long time ago, and I get a call while we're on the while we're in a line to go on some you know kids roller coaster when my kids are young. You know, can you be at the ballpark in two hours? So and so just got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, no, I, I can't. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and so I've seen some guys. I heard a story uh, when the Padres made that huge deal uh, with Cleveland, with the Guardians, where they traded. I mean, I think there's six guys on the Guardians Major League roster that were tin caps. Wow. And they traded over some of their top young tin cap uh, Padre talent for Mike Clevenger and, and some other guys from Cleveland, and I was told by the guys all the way at the top with the Padres, it was one of the hardest things they've ever done. Because when you think about it, a lot of the international kids were signed at 16, 17 years old. They've literally grown up, you know, Padres. At the same time, it's not all bad. We've seen so many players over the years that maybe would have been blocked in San Diego by Fernando at short or Machado at sure. third. Like, you're not beating those guys out for at least 15 <laughs> more years or whatever their contracts are. So sometimes we've seen guys, you know, Matt Whistler that was a local guy, Josh Van Meter, you know, guys that, that uh, you know, have gotten the opportunity. You know, Whistler's from Bryan, Ohio, and everybody knows Josh. Where those guys have now put up major numbers of big league service time and started to earn a little bit of money when maybe that opportunity, they would have been blocked in San Diego. So it can be cool, too. I've talked to parents over the years, not of our current guys, but guys over the years, and the moms and dads are like, we just want some clarity. Like, if yeah. he gets traded, cool. But then, you know, in August, you're going to a new city, meeting all new people. You don't know anybody. It's a lot on young kids, and it's a lot on young Latin American kids where they're just getting comfortable and set up and now your whole world changes. But the big league teams have gotten better about getting guys. And then the last thing I'd say on that is the players now grow up playing against each other in travel ball, on the national circuit, on all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times they know other guys on other teams, so it'll help the transition a little bit. But it's a tough week and a half for the next week and a half for some of these guys. Mike, you mentioned the uh, biggest homestand of the year coming up the first week of August, and you will host South Bend with for six and three fireworks nights and paws and claws in there, and of course family feast nights. So, take us through. Um, you know, for many, will probably be the final week before school starts. Exactly right. So we're back Tuesday, August second. It's not even on the schedule on the pocket schedule, but we just added a fireworks night for that one. 
So four of the six games will be fireworks. Two dollar, you know, concessions on Tuesday with fireworks. Uh, Wednesday, paws and claws. That has been a huge success this year. I mean, we're seeing sometimes a hundred dogs out there at the ballpark. It's just cool. Thirsty Thursday with fireworks. It's the last big one of those before the college kids all go back to school. Friday night with fireworks again. Uh, Saturday with fireworks. Sunday afternoon. It is also the Copa games, which were canceled back in 2000. What is that? Major League and Minor League Baseball have done a, an outreach program for Latin Americans that are huge baseball fans that live in the United States that maybe don't always go to games. They're not sure culturally how it works. So on that weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, we're going to be playing as the Manzanas Luchadores. And so Mexican culture and a lot of Latin American culture, the wrestling stuff, the pro wrestling yeah. stuff is so big. And so we'll be wearing different jerseys. We'll be wearing different hats. Uh, it'll still be our same great entertainment and show people are used to. Uh, but hopefully we see different segments of the culture, maybe that aren't always out at Parkview Field, but grew up huge baseball fans where they're from. And so uh, it's our first time to do that. We actually wore the jerseys on the road a few weeks ago in Appleton, Wisconsin, because it was their game and it was neat for us to bring the jerseys along to, to, to do it. So huge games, huge crowds. Like you said, it's the back-to-school push. There's only 18 home games left, and after that home stand's done, we'll be down to 12. So it's been another awesome year. We're third in the country in attendance for all the 60 single-A teams, and we thank the crowds uh, for coming back after all the craziness with COVID. Mike, before we let you go, last night Toronto edged the Boston Red Sox 28-5 to <laughs> last night. I've been night. a part of some of those games before, but I was <laughs> watching that one going, have we ever scored or given up 28? I couldn't remember it in my career, but I can tell you, you can have every pitch clock in the world, and that's kind of not going to help you. Somebody's scoring 30 runs. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether you played in it, witnessed it. What's the, what's the Regardless of sport, what's the biggest blowout you've been a part of or have witnessed? Uh, we came up with one back in the day when I was working at the Kane County Cougars, but we gave up 20, and if that wasn't enough, we got no hit in the same game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was one of those cliches, just flush that tape, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoy the weekend, my man. Thanks so much, and kudos to Jim for having the procedure and a speedy recovery for our friend. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. That was Mike Dutter, president of the Fort Wayne Tidcaps, joining us here this morning on Talking Sports. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that 28-5 to 5 game and wish we had more time. I would open up the text line 46862 in terms of the biggest blowout that you have witnessed or been a part of, regardless of sport. We asked Dan Vance that question. We asked Mike Nutter that question. The one that comes to mind for me, and we were talking Little League Baseball with Dan Vance a little bit out at Georgetown. This game that I played in was out at St. Joe. I think it was 13 years old, and it was the final four, I believe, of District 10. And we played St. Joe, and I think we had only lost like once the entire season. And so we were just, we were just, uh, you know, going through the motions at that point. We thought we were great and went out. I think the score was 23 to 1, something like that. We lost and ended up at the end of the game. After the 
post-game huddle running around the bases collectively and all sliding into home and getting filthy and all that stuff. And it was just a bizarre scene. And I think the team that beat us just wondering what the hell was going on because we had just gotten beat by 20-plus runs. Our season was over. And we're running around the bases and sliding into home like, you know, we were, we were you know, happy and thrilled that we were just even invited to a game of that stature. So really bizarre, but that was, that was the one game that stands out to me as, um, you know, the biggest blowout, one of the biggest blowouts that, that I've ever been a part of, but that's going to do it for us here on a Saturday morning. It looks like the, the rain has kind of abated a little bit. And so hopefully you're able to get out at some point this weekend or today, once it clears up to get some stuff done or to enjoy a uh, summer weekend here in late July. But thanks to Dan Vance for joining us. Podcasts by Federated Media.